You're listening to Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. I'm Celeste A. Frazier, your hostess. I'm an ordained New Thought minister who embraces all faiths. I've pastored a few spiritual communities, written a few books, performed in various media. I write, produce, and perform. I'm a visioning facilitator, a diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator. And with Mystic Magic, we explore amazing guests to find out what the divine reveals through us and how we may benefit from this magnificence. Stay tuned. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. Hey, hey, Mystic Magic Podcasters, we are in for such a treat today because today my guest is Margaret Agard. She's a former executive in the high tech industry, an author, speaker, a Christian mystic, and Reiki healer. Margaret focuses on helping other people change their lives and finding their true purpose by turning their to-do lists over to God or higher power, inner voice, spirit, whatever you may call it. Her story appeals to many people who have more to do than time to do it in, and who want to live their best life. At the time she started this practice, she was a single mother of eight, working full-time as the sole financial support for her family. And she had just returned to working full-time as the sole financial support for her family and returning to university full-time to finish the last few credits for her bachelor's degree in mathematics. So she slept less than four hours per night and often woke up in a panic worrying about what wasn't getting done. Her previous practice of prioritizing and focusing on the most important tasks wasn't working. After turning her to-do list over to God, she got more done, more sleep, and had less stress. Her story inspires others to do the same. Welcome, Margaret, to Mystic Magic. Hi, it's happy to be here. Yes, happy to be here, Mystic Magic, with you, Celeste. Yes. So this is something I want to hear about because... I have a to-do list that is pretty insane. So uh, let's talk about it. First of all, the high-tech industry. A lot of times we think of that as being low-touch, and yet you are a Christian mystic. How did you go from high-tech to Christian mystic, or was it the other way around? I have always felt a deep connection to God and a deep desire to be connected to the divine. And at the same time, you know, we live in this world and I love math. I love computers. I just was like, oh, this is my thing. And, you know, for a long time, I thought maybe math was the language of God, you know, because it was so cut and dried. Turns out I was wrong. But so to me, they weren't incompatible. It was just what I did. Okay. And I have to say that when I was in my 20s, I really made an effort to learn to decide which of those thoughts in, that come through your head, you don't have all these thoughts that you're thinking, and which was coming from God and which was just me. And I was eventually able to discern that. And so then when this time came, I was actually in my early 40s when I had all these children and I was in the high tech industry and supporting them. I I really was just 
overwhelmed, as you said. And after I went through this process and got it all under control, I stopped doing it because I thought, well, really, I should be able to handle my own life and not bother God, you know, with the minutia, my to-do list. But the second time I did it, and I had what I call a five-page long to-do list on a legal pad with something on every line, I again said, I just, I don't know where to start. I, I can't possibly keep up with all this. So I just would start getting out here. I have one on my desk. I get out this three by five card, you know, and I'd write down all the stuff I thought was most important to do that day. And then I would go to God and say, what really should I do today? Mm-hmm. And then eventually that morphed into what do you want me to do today? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really changed. And that's when I started getting things off the list. He completely changed my life. And often what happened, well, really what happened is I'd have this list. I'd have it written down. And then I would go and say, you know, what? And I would have that thought, not that. Yes, this, not that. And I started clearing things out of my life that really didn't matter. Okay, so let me ask you something. You're calling yourself a Christian mystic. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have many favorite mystics like Emma Curtis Hopkins, like Howard Thurman, like um, Joe Goldsmith. Tell me what your experience is as a mystic. What makes you want to call yourself a Christian mystic? The first time I heard that term, I thought, that's what I thought. What's a, what's a mystic? What's a Christian mystic? So I looked it up and it, it basically said someone who spends their time and is committed to being in God's presence, to having his presence in his or her life and to and I thought well that's me that's what I do so I I spend time each evening in contemplative prayer where I just let him talk to me I all throughout the day I'm saying oh is this what I should be doing I'm paying attention do I feel love for those around me or not that's how I know when he's present when I'm feeling love for everybody and so to me that that is what a Christian mystic is and I think there's a lot of people who are Christian mystics who don't apply that definition to themselves because they don't know what it is. Okay, so when you started getting freed up, did you start spending more time with God? I'd say it was the opposite. What Here's what I found. The more time, energy, money I was willing to give in spite of what I felt like were heavy burdens, the more he freed up my time, my energy, and my money to give. Okay. And it's like the woman whose house is a mess, but she doesn't want to hire a house cleaner until she cleans it up (laughs) because she doesn't want the house cleaner to see the house messy house. And that's the way we are with God. Like our life is a mess. And we think, well, if I can just get it under control, then I'll give it to God. But actually it's the opposite that works. It's you take your out of control, messy, overwhelming life to God and he gets it under, I wouldn't even call it under control. He, he gives you the life you really want. So tell me, what do you do when you're helping people to change their lives and find their purpose? What's your approach? I mean, what do you offer them and and what are they looking for? Well, I, I hope what comes across in my books and when I talk to people is don't come to me, (laughs) you go to God and And what I do offer is, you know, some people will say, well, I don't know how to to hear his voice or 
you know, to recognize when, like, if I took my list, some people would say, if I took my list and sat down and said, you know, what should I do today? God, inner voice, higher power. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what I was hearing. That's where I think the problem comes. But there are very few people who really have that problem. Most people have learned to recognize someone might call it intuition and others would call it that still small voice. And that's what you're paying attention to. That sense of, of knowing, yeah, I really don't need to do this. So what are you calling living your best life now? What's that, what's that look like? What's that feel like? Well, you know, not everyone gets to go meet Mother Teresa. So for me, my best life is I spend some time writing. I spend time helping other people. And I'm often prompted to call certain people at certain times or to take something to someone's house or to just make myself available. And to often I'll think, oh, my gosh, I really don't have much to do today. I'm going to have some time to just sit and stare at the wall. And then someone will call and say, can you give me a ride to the hospital? And I'm like, well, yeah, because I'm just sitting here staring at the wall. So I often have had time freed up like that. And actually, my prayers are answered through that. I'm not sure I'm answering your question all the way, Celeste, but everybody's best life would be different, right? Okay. Like, I really love writing. And I felt prompted to write. Like, I want you to start writing. It never occurred to me to do that until I started doing it. And then I loved it. Someone else might be prompted to go back to doing their music again. Or I have a friend who wanted to learn to garden. And, and so, and she said, you know, I really want to learn to garden. And the answer she got was, you are going to garden but you're not going to do it for yourself. And so she started a community garden and they took all their food and gave it to um, the local soup kitchen. So all those fresh vegetables and fruits and stuff right outside Charleston, West Virginia. And, and she learned to garden. And so, and she loves it. She loves the whole thing. And so to me, that's our best life. Whatever we love is what's going to turn out to be, uh, we get to do it because mostly we put it off, right? Like we have to do what we have to, rather than what we love and want to. So tell me about your books. How many have you written and what are they about? Well, I, I kind of think of them as faith, hope, and charity. So the first one is, and they're both, they're all in his footsteps. The first one in his footsteps is about my to-do list. I gave it to God and this is what happened. And so honestly, it takes five minutes and probably two pages to describe how I gave it to God. So the rest of the book is about what happened when I did that. And what I came to feel is how loved I was, how loved everyone else is. And that until that time, I think I was doing good so that I would be loved. And after that, I wanted, I felt so loved that I wanted to go out and make sure everybody else felt that love by being available to them when they needed it. Now, the second book, my second husband and I uh, served missions. And we, we went to Albuquerque, we were in the inner city, we were helping people there, we were teaching at the jail, then we went up to Alaska, we were in a native village, we just spent a lot of time, we were giving our whole day to God. Well, we were kind of giving our whole day to God before that, but we needed, you know, we, we had a farm, we had a garden, we had all these things, and we set them all aside and said, now we're just going to give you all day, every day. And we were able to do that because we had some retirement income. And so 
I would say that that was the time when we really gave 100% of our lives, our lives to God. Now, the third book that I've been working on and isn't out yet is about my marriage. That's why I would call it charity. Second one, I would call hope because we hoped to make the world a better place and we hope to bring people hope. So that's why I think of it as hope. And the third one, I felt one day that I was told, this is in February, you're going to meet the man you're going to marry in the fall. At the time, my two youngest were still in high school. Others were living at home, but they were going to college. And I thought, huh, no, thank you. And so I spent a few months kind of explaining to God why I thought marriage was a bad idea, especially with two teenage sons at home. <laughs> Stepsons, stepfathers, I couldn't quite see it. And, but I did meet the man I married the next fall. And it, a few months later, we got married. And you would think that would, you would call that a match made in heaven, don't you think? That's what you call a match made in heaven, right? God said, here's the person. I had some qualifications. I had some experiences. I said, when I want him to know, like, I want him to be so sure that he just, without a doubt, is asking me to marry him. And, and he never even saw what I looked like because we met over the internet. And that was back before you could see pictures because it was all dial-up. And so, wow, we got married. I come from, I have a grandfather who was an alcoholic. His father was an abusive alcoholic. And let us say we had sore spots. <laughs> so it, it didn't look like a match made in heaven at first. There was a point at which I knelt down and said, I don't know how to make this marriage work. And it, at times it's painful. It might have been a mistake. And if it really is from you, and I felt like it was, then I need something to hang on to, a verse from the Bible or just something. And the thought that came into my mind immediately was this, all will be made whole as a result of this marriage. And um, biblically, the word whole that Christ uses is referring to spiritual and emotional wholeness, not just physical wholeness. And I took the word all to mean just not, not just my husband and myself, but our children, because he had seven children from his first marriage who were, you know, they had some wounds from the end of that marriage. And so did my children from how our, our first marriage went, my first marriage went and the end of that marriage. And so it, we've now been together 25 years and I asked the kids and they started telling me how the marriage was healing to them. So how did you look at love differently? How was it different? I had some ideas going into it that as far as I was concerned, it was commitment. Was I, was I committed to what he was committed to? Like, in other words, could I support him in what he was committed to? And did I feel like he could support me in what I was committed to? In other words, were we going to be a support to each other as part of this marriage? And what makes us happiest as a couple is when we're out helping other people. So yes, we could do that. <laughs> that worked well for us. I hear service coming through a lot in what you're sharing. And I wanted to find out what propels you to want to serve. What is it that you like, you have to do this? Like I heard you talking about working with native people. I heard you talking about, you know, helping people with, um, you know, challenges. I, I've heard you talk about, you know, doing kind gestures with people. And tell me about where that comes from and what kinds of things you've been doing. Usually it's an individual. 
And usually it's like, you know, I mean, you have experiences I could say, well, once a year I have like an incredible experience <laughs> and most of the time it's pretty normal. I just felt, feel like I should call people and then I hear what they have to say. And if there's something I can do to help them, I do. Other times they just need to talk. I can remember saying to God once, okay, I'm not bringing my to-do list. I'm traveling today. I'm packed. I'm leaving. I have 10 minutes. I mean, other than that, I'm going to be driving. So what can you tell me to do? Right. And, but I said, I got 10 minutes. Can you do something with 10 minutes? And he said, I want you to call your friend Janice. I have lots of friends, lots of relatives. So I called Janice and she was so upset about something that had just happened in her life. And she just started, just started talking. And sometimes you just need to talk. Right. And about five minutes in, I said, Janice, I've got five more minutes. And you know, because I don't want to miss the plane. And so Janice says, okay, that's okay. And then she just kept talking. And at the end, she said, oh, thank you so much. I just needed, I just need to be able to talk about it. Just need to be able to tell someone. And I've had numerous times where that has happened. I've gotten to where I can question the spirit. And sometimes it's really simple. It's just dumb stuff. Once I was going to my writer's group and I thought, and this, people have these thoughts all the time, right? Like I'm leaving the house and the thought comes, take an extra pen. And I thought, someone's going to need it. And I thought, who would come to a writer's group without a pen? But I went back in the house. I got a pen, sat down with the writer's group. And as the meeting starts, the person next to me says, do you have an extra pen? Because I forgot my pen. <laughs> and that, those are the kind of things that I think makes, makes us feel so connected. We know that we're part of this grand scheme and that, God is aware of even the tiniest details and wants to bless us. Yeah. And usually we're being blessed by someone else. And I like to be the person who helps to bless. Well, you can't really bless someone else without getting blessed, can you? <laughs> so here's my question that I ask all of my guests on Mystic Magic. And you may have more than one, but just pick one. Can you think of a mystical moment that changed your life? When I was six, I, I went into a church and up to then I had learned a lot about God and Jesus. And that day I felt like I met him. I felt loved and intelligence and as if there was an actual being that I was meeting. And that's what part of the reason I call myself a Christian mystic since then I have spent my life seeking that kind of connection again. And so are you finding it often? Yeah. Yes. Did you have that? Yes. Several. Yes. So I just appreciate how present you are. I appreciate how available you are and that you have a commitment to love. And I appreciate that you have a deep connection with what I call spirit God sounds limiting. It's a language thing, but it's more than an object. It's the essence of who we are. So I get that you understand that. And I'm, I'm grateful that there's somebody in the world who's taking that understanding and bringing love to other people. So thank you for coming on Mystic Magic. Yeah, I just, so I have to say, a lot of people say, I want to give my life to the divine or to God, you know, like turn it over. And, and that's really why I share what I do. Like your day is your life and your to-do list is your day. If you really want to give your life to God, give him that to-do list. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So last. Thank you.
This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. A mother of eight accepts her fate by giving herself to God. Burdened by tasks and asks, stress multiplied, she was fried. Surrender was the key. Asking God was the remedy. She loves to write and follows insight wherever God leads her. Contemplative prayer every night continues to free her. During the day, she is free from the fray, for love is the measure. Feeling the presence every day is the greatest treasure. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information about today's episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and all of your favorite podcast venues. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. In the first event of its kind, African Americans in New Thought offer Celebrating Our Soul, a New Thought Conference by people of African descent this August at Unity Village in Lee Summit, Missouri. You want to be there. There will be prayer, meditation, yoga. There will be speakers like Michael Beckwith, Bishop Jack Bomar, Bishop Yvette Flunder. Dr. Sheila McKeithen, Reverend Sylvia Sumter. There is an abundance of workshops from wonderful facilitators and ministers across the country. And there is fantastic music with the likes of Michelle Jordan, Esther Nicholson, John Stringer, Lee Langston. There is going to be so much fun. We want to see you there. Check us out at www.pa.com. P-A-D-N-T-G dot org. See you there.